Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. This is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect. My guest today is somebody that I met when she was doing a presentation for the Elevate Network when we had met back in 2021 virtually. And actually, we've never met in person, but we've had numerous interactions virtually. Um, and she is joining us today from Baja, California. My guest today is Teresa Savadogo. Teresa is an engaging and dynamic speaker known for her authentic approach and commitment to fostering meaningful connections. Through her compelling storytelling and passionate advocacy, Teresa creates a safe and inclusive space for conversations about mental health, diversity, and resilience. From TED stages to corporate boardrooms, Teresa has touched the lives of countless individuals with her powerful messages. Her TEDx talk, Why You Should Regularly Talk to Strangers, has been translated into 15 languages and is used to teach empathy from the classroom to leadership and sales teams. She's featured in a random house release coming this fall by Edward Brunsinio, The Performance Paradox, Turning the Power of Mindset into Action. Teresa, such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you, Suzanne. So when I talk about your TEDx talk, um, I was blown away by it, not just by listening to it. I mean, I'm very passionate about talking to strangers and because I know that, that that's a fear for many people and it has been for me in the past, undoubtedly. But I was even more blown away when you told me that you'd never been on stage before that. So I'd love for you to start with telling the story about how that came to be. Uh, yeah, I love to tell the backstory because one of the things that I see when people do amazing things is we don't see the work that goes into it. And for me, when somebody reached out to me, and so one of the things about my TEDx talk is I got a fast pass. I never applied. They came to me and they said, hey, listen, we, you know, can you write us a speech? And we'd like to throw you into the running for uh, TEDx Seattle. And I hadn't been plotting my journey or thinking about it. So when the opportunity came, it was really shocking. I had to get my act together very quickly, pull my thoughts together. And what was really interesting up until that point is I had shunned the limelight. I was the critical number two to some very powerful people. I was the wind beneath their wings, making sure that like all the eyes were dotted and the T's were crossed. And suddenly like I got an opportunity to be on stage in the limelight myself. And that was a huge mental leap for me to go from being number two to front of the stage. And so I... I hired a coach. I hired I hired a therapist that I saw three hours a week. <laughs> I did everything that I could to prepare for this opportunity. And I noticed that I was stuck in flight or fight and procrastinating and just the reflecting and thinking. And there was a point where they almost canceled my spot. They said, listen, <laughs> you got to get it together. Wow. And I called a friend of mine who... Uh, she used to write speeches for her boss, who was a CEO of a major company, and she happened to have a time available. And so we got together and we worked on the talk. We got together another day. We worked on it some more and I turned it in and they said, okay, great. And then there was this point where 
wait, it doesn't even sound like me anymore. There's so many people influencing what this thing says that now it doesn't even sound like me. Mm. And so I went in and did a re-edit and uh, honestly, the organizers, I was driving them bananas. They're like, listen, you should have been practicing this like a month ago. <laughs> and so I, I honestly, I wasn't prepared to stand on stage and take the stage. It was, it was a major, major issue. I had never successfully given my talk from beginning to end until I stepped on stage. That sounds incredibly in nerve wracking. In front of 3000 people. Yeah. Like I just, you know, when I, they were introducing me at one point and I made a promise to myself, I said, you know what, no matter how bad this goes, I promise I won't kill myself. And I meant it. Right. Like, what do you do with the shame and humiliation of something that does not go well? And I just, I knew I wasn't prepared. And part of the reason that I wasn't prepared is because I was dealing with mental health issues around that. I was stuck in fight. And so, you know, that sent me on another journey, a complete other journey after, after it was over, but somehow it all worked out. <laughs> well, and it, what's so remarkable to me is that you are so natural. I mean, like, and that's why when you told me that I was so shocked because you have this just air about you that is so relaxed compared to a lot of other speakers on the TED stage. Yeah, well, and I think that there's a difference between a performance and a conversation. Yeah. I was literally trying to dialogue with the audience and I wasn't there to perform. And I think that that's one of the things that when we have an opportunity, we kind of put on our armor and we, you know, like this is how you're supposed to look. And I, I had none of that. I was just grateful to be there. I, my goal was to actually change the culture of my city. Seattle is known legendarily for the Seattle freeze where people don't invite each other into a warm, human, engaging relationship. They keep the conversation very surface level and then, you know, that's it. And it's very transactional uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm from the Midwest where relationships are deeper than that. And that because we need each other, we know we need each other. And so my, my intention, I just kind of kept going back to my intention. My intention is to put a stake in the ground and say, we are creating something different from here going forward. And this is, and one of the things that I really like is what's an example, show me what that looks like. Show me what it looks like when it's done really, really well. I wanna see it. And so I, my talk has five different stories in it. And I purposely picked those stories out of the thousands of people that I talk to on a regular basis. And I wanted to illustrate certain things about what it looks like to have a real conversation and, and, and draw those out. And I think we shy away from some of the most critical things that make us human. So, yeah. Well, and it's interesting when you talk about it really being the the flight, you know, like freezer flight, um, amygdala hijack. So, um, and it's it's fascinating to me. Like I have been in flight when I haven't even realized I've been in flight, and it's it's incarnated with like 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 working too much, 
I mean, like workaholism, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a workaholic, but I've definitely had my moments of working too much. That can be flight because you just, you know, you're constantly focusing on something and you're not necessarily paying attention to something else that's happening that maybe you need to start paying attention to. And it sounds like for you, like there's that avoidance tactic. And it sounds like that was definitely a way that it came to fruition for you with that talk. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism, right? And for yeah. me, it's uh, what I've learned is that it's rooted in trauma. So for me, being visible meant danger, not opportunity. And so like, who do you think you are? You know, all of that kind of stuff, right? And so I think that the question when it when it and when it comes to flight, what happens is your ability to think and process and make good decisions completely shuts down. And so what I've learned since then is to ask for help, recognize when that's happening and say, hey, listen, I need a thinking partner here. I am not at my best right now. And here's what I got going on. How do how how do you see this and how can I break through? And so um, that has been really, really valuable. And one of the things that I'm doing is lining up other thinking partners before I need them. Say, hey, listen, you know, I, I'm not always at my best. If I if I need if I need some feedback, would you be willing to to help me out? And so I and I keep a list because sometimes when you're in that flight and you're hijacked, you don't remember that you have resources available too. Such a really important point. Whereas, yeah, when we get stuck in that zone, we need somebody to help pull us out. And I love that you, I love that you have that like thinking partner list of, okay, this is sort of, this is my posse of people that when I, when I get to that point, um, if you've teed it up that they can provide that for you and you can do the same for them. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I'm also hearing that it's not just about you stepping up to the plate yourself, but it's also having those that support network to help you to do it, but still crafting your own voice and not letting like looking for external support, but not letting that tell your narrative, making sure that you're still doing it yourself. Yeah, I'm not uh, abdicating my decision making capacity. I'm 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 actually asking for support and hey, can you weigh the pros and cons for me? What am I not seeing here? And to provide the optics that maybe I'm I'm missing at the moment. Yeah. Have you ever had somebody not want to be a thinking partner for you? Have they opted out of that? I've had people who agree but then show up badly. Um, mm or not wholeheartedly and um that and you know in in my crisis moment that just feels like abandonment right it's it's almost like the most important person at a critical time when you need them most and then they show up as a minimal viable player and and they're not giving you your best their best and I think that that's also really interesting to, you know, be like, it, it feels like a gut punch, right? And so that's where I've learned to have a team. So I'll ask a couple people instead of just being reliant on one, because they may not be available. They may not have the capacity or they may not have the expertise to be able to be a valuable contributor at that moment. And so what's your backup plan? You know, um, I think sometimes uh, in, in the past, I was over reliant on one person to provide that feedback or to, to be a, a skilled thinking partner for me. And 
you know, maybe they just didn't have the expertise or, you know, whatever. However, it didn't, it didn't work out. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, what's my backup plan? And I think that's important to know and recognize that that's, you know, I mean, we, we get really hurt when those things happen, but they do happen. So how do you move on? Cause you still need that feedback, right? Yeah. And it's so important to, I think, to get feedback from different people. So, I mean, and to know, like, depending on what you're doing to make sure that that is the the best thinking partner or feedback mm-hmm. partner for that moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we have to take a quick break for an ad. So let's do that. And we will be right back. This is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect. Hey everybody, it's Suzanne from The Courage Effect. As the seasons changed, I poked into my closet and discovered how stale my wardrobe had become. Everything felt boring and I wanted something different and fresh. I grabbed my laptop and remembered armoire. Why not clothing rental? I could experiment with new styles from jeans to something fancy without spending a ton of money and buying clothes I would only wear a handful of times. Armoire makes clothing rental easy. Build a perfect seasonal wardrobe with brands that are unique, sustainably sourced, and owned by women. All you have to do is take the style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, and they will ship them straight to your door. Armoire allows me to indulge in high quality designer clothing with no guilt. They promote sustainability with fewer items ending up in the donation bag and landfill, and no dry cleaning fees. Trust me, your cramp closet and the environment will thank you. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you must try Armoire. And right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash the courage effect to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne Weller, and I'm in conversation with Teresa Savadogo. We've been talking about um, her TEDx talk when she got on the stage for the first time, and we also talked about having people to support us, but also to challenge us and to challenge our thinking. And you know, when you were talking, Teresa, about getting ready for that and and thinking, well, well, why me? You know, like you you had been reached out, they sought you out, and you know, what I hear is that you were playing small, like you said, you were the wind beneath other people's wings. Talk a little bit about what it was that really allowed you to to step out to get more into the spotlight as opposed to just being the wind. I'm so glad you asked that. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Um, I think that for me, one of the things that I realized is that would this be a deathbed regret? If Mm -hmm. I never got this opportunity again, is this something that is going to live with me forever? And it was. And one of the, and I, and I was like, okay, I'm wildly uncomfortable with this opportunity. What do I need to do in order to get 
to feel better and to move past that and to actually grab the opportunity. And I had a really good friend of mine who was like, you know, like I originally turned down the opportunity and she said, are you sure? <laughs> and, and I love that she, she probably came back to me three times and said, are you sure? And, mm-hmm. and it, they asked me right after my mom had died. I was like, I, you know, the timing was terrible and I, I felt like I didn't have a creative bone in my body, but then I, I thought about how bad I would regret it if I didn't actually, you know, I think we have this vision for our life about how great it can be. You know, that little kid inside of us who's like, I'm going to do all these amazing things. And here it was, the opportunity was staring me in the face and I was trying to run away from it. And, you know, I, I mentored this guy at one point, I got him a really great opportunity and it, you know, changed the trajectory of his career. And, and originally when I introduced him to this person who ultimately gave him the job, um, I said, Hey, listen, just in case you don't know, this is what it looks like when an opportunity of a lifetime is staring you in the face. Nice. And so I look for those. What are the opportunities of a lifetime that, and and how can I start creating them for myself instead of creating them for somebody else? So I would be a hired gun to come in and create opportunities for other people. But I realized that I worked harder on other people's dreams than I worked on my own. And that was a gut punch. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's almost like shifting from why, you know, to why not. Yeah. And I, I love that. One of the things it was funny, there was a time when I was speaking on a panel and it was one of the early times when I was speaking and it was the first, first. And so I was a late addition to the panel and there were probably six other people. So in the course of an hour, maybe you get five minutes and, um, and as we're introducing each other and we need us, you know, they're, they're adding a sexy title to everybody. And at the time I didn't really have a great title. And I was like, what am I going to say about myself? And I was like, I specialize in throwing myself in the deep end of the pool. Like, and, and I love that I do that. I just, I take a leap, I figure it out. And, um, and I think that that's also part of my secret sauce is, okay, if I'm going to start in a new, new arena, who are the very best people operating in this space and what can I learn from them? And if I have questions, can I get access to them so that they'll respond to me, you know, and, and how do I study the craft of what that new arena looks like so that I can be a player at the highest, highest level. And I realized that part of my journey is that I'm jumping to a new S curve as uh, Whitney Johnson talks about. And one of the things about that new S curve is that you start at the beginning and you're taking in a lot of information. And then as you move up the back of the S curve, you know, things start accelerating eventually, and then you kind of plateau on the top. And then what do you do? A lot of people make lateral moves when they get to the top of the S curve. I don't, I'm looking for the next growth opportunity in a, in a and I don't, I don't care if I have to switch into a new industry or not. I, I take everything that I've learned and then I, and then I start in a new industry and then I want to learn everything that I possibly can. And so that often is 
leaves that uncomfortable feeling, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm playing out of my league. What am I doing here? What, how do I, how do I get up to speed really quickly? But what it ends up being is a superpower because now when I meet with people, they're always amazed. Like, how do you know so many things and so many people in so many different industries? And like, I can make magic happen. Like you want to build a building? Great. Let me, let me, let me get on the phone and call somebody, you know, like, even if I don't know a person, I know how the system works from the inside out. And that is super, super powerful to be able to make magic happen. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about the S curves too, because it's, I mean, that's agility, right? I mean, because the idea is that like, when we stay too long, then the curve starts going down. Like we need to start thinking about what's next before we start going down, right? We need to, we need to make sure that we're looking at what is possible before we either like age out in some, I mean, and I don't necessarily mean age just as age as a human being, but how do we know when it's time to make a shift before it actually happens? And it sounds like you have a talent for that. Well, and, you know, I think what's really interesting, though, too, is how can you instead of going from one lateral move to another, which they say a lot of women in their career do, right? They just it's the same job, different companies. So once you understand the lay of the land at that company, and you know who the players are, then you suddenly start getting very bored. And I think that that's why a lot of women turn to gossip and, you know, talk about things that aren't really relevant, um, is because they get bored. And so when you're when you're super challenged, and you're trying to acquire a new skill sets and and all of that. I don't have time for that. (laughs) And so I think that that's also really interesting. Um, I'm talking to a lot of people who are at the the top of their career. And so what are they, what's their next move? Right. And so for instance, I have a friend of mine who is an executive at Amazon and now she's doing, you know, public speaking, consulting training. That was a whole new ballpark. I mean, granted her first year out, she also tripled her income. So I think that's really, amazing. But, you know, to take that leap and to be able to be willing to learn that new space, to be able to bring in thinking partners, to be able to, you know, you know, pay, pay for the services of help of people who can help you get to the next level and the next stretch assignment. I, I think that's, it's so important and we don't do it very often and there's a way to do it better. Yeah, undoubtedly. Well, and the whole idea of just getting, getting so in the grain, right? Like you're so ingrained in what you're doing, like this is the path and you're there and you just get comfortable and there's a certain amount of ease that goes along with it. And what I'm hearing you say is that it really is about challenging, challenging beliefs. I mean, going back to the idea of the thinking partner. So making sure that you're thinking about what else is there? Is this it? (laughs) What is possible? And how might I be limiting myself through limiting beliefs or playing small? Yeah. Well, for me, what I also like to do is I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. I've had it since I was a a kid. And one of the things that I love to do is see what is the company trying to do? And, and, and I see opportunities in a way that is, you know, a lot of people who have struggled to kind of get on board with it. But again, I'm pooling from a ton of different resources, a ton of different things that I've seen, a ton of different people's experiences and that kind of thing. 
And I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm so clairvoyant about how the idea is supposed to work that I'm like, this is a no brainer. This is easy. This isn't a stretch. It's a stretch for you to adopt the idea, but it's not a stretch to actually execute what it is that we're trying to do. And so what I, I love doing is spotting those opportunities and bringing all the people together in order to make it happen. And um, that's something that I've, I've always really enjoyed doing. And sometimes you get in an environment where there's so much pushback that you can't actually execute the next beautiful thing. So, or who's rooted in staying the way that it was, but they can't see the writing on the wall that something is about to shift and either you're going to get stuck in it or it's going to be a limiting factor or competition is going to come and take over or whatever. So how can you be open-minded enough Um, We talked about this willful blindness. How can you be open enough to an idea that um, is outside of your wheelhouse and be able to entertain it long enough to see the possibilities? I think that's it's so important. And that's a skill set that you train your mind in order to be able to do. Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting point. How long? How long do you give it? Because that's how, how do you know? And it sounds like you you've you've cultivated that, you've rewired your brain and you've actually you've been able to really build that strength. Yeah. And also I've been um it's taken some experience to be able to identify who is willing to play that game, you know, who's open to it yeah. and where's the resistance, right? And sometimes the resistance, uh, the right person there's somebody like resisting to the point where it's, it's a deal killer, right? They just can't see it. They can't get past it. And oftentimes when I leave, that's when it gets executed. And it used to really bother me because it takes, but, but now I realize it takes a while for people to get, get, you know, so selling an idea or selling a possibility or selling a vision, it takes time. So I start planting those seeds really early with a lot of different people so that, you know, it's not just me being the vulnerable one and and the only voice in the crowd. I start like, Hey, you know, what's possible, you know, it would be amazing. What if we did this? And I start getting a chorus around that, like a, a body of voices and it's not just me. And so, you know, I might move on, but then there's enough people around to execute on that idea. I love that the chorus of creating a chorus of people that are really going to support that and help to bring it forward. So it's not all on you. And also knowing that the different, you know, superpowers that each person brings to that, because everybody, everybody's able to achieve something different. So, exactly. well, I'm sad to say we are almost out of time. Teresa, thank you for a wonderful conversation. I want to read back some of the key takeaways for me. Um, I loved how you talked about relationships being based on needing each other. So it's not just about, you know, that that's really true and core to how we actually communicate and live with each other having a team of thinking partners and deathbed regrets. What are the things that maybe if we think about that, what am I going to regret when I get to that point? And let's live our life. Let's actually be more courageous in living in the, in the unknown. So thank you, Teresa. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. This was great. I love it. Great. Um, we'll have all of your contact information on the website, which is thecourageeffect.com. And this is also available on podcast if you'd like to listen to it again. So thank you so much for being here. Stay courageous. Stay courageous.